Attention all filmmakers. You have short films or full features without a district. Come to www.fhffsd.org. That is the fantastic horror film festival. So hurry up. Submit now. Hello, everyone. This is Gruesome Herzog with my very special guest, co-founder of the fantastic Horror Film Festival, Joanne Thomas, our very special guest. It's number four. That's one per year. That's how long I've known Bill. But yes, it's Bill Olbers Jr. Bill, how are you? Hey, Gruesome. It's good to talk to you. Hello, Joanne. Hello. Hi. And I want to tell your listeners um, who may not know or may not have heard of previous conversations that uh, Scott did me a kindness. He's the first person who ever interviewed me when I came to Los Angeles in 08. And I just done a movie called Dismal, which came out, and he was kind enough to say nice things about my playing a cannibal in that. Um, Joanne, I've known for a couple of years now. I met her and her husband, Mike, who's a film critic at MatchFlick.com at the premiere of Children of Sorrow here in L.A., and uh, we've all become friends, and Joanne and her husband have founded now this brand-new film festival in San Diego that I'm very excited about. So these are two good friends, and uh, we all know each other, and we'll try not to share inside jokes and bring you all in on the conversation. There you go. And to, uh, as you know, Bill, um, I was asked to be, <laughs> quote, quote, celebrity judge. That's a loose word. I don't think that I am. But I found myself really impulsively... Um, pushing this, promoting this, as Joanne can say, the uh, Facebook page when I first got attached to the project was about what, Joanne, about a hundred and something close to that because it was relatively new and we are now over 600, almost halfway to seven. You mean likes? Likes, yes, on the Facebook page. For people who are listening, what is that Facebook page so they can go and like it? When is the film festival going to be? Halloween weekend, 2014, three this is, days. This is in San Diego, right? Right. Or are you looking for submissions? Always, always. And if people want to submit, what what do they do? <laughs> they go to our website at www.fhfssd.org. And the Facebook page is www.facebook.com slash fhffsd. As in Frank, H is in horror, F is in film, and F is in festival. And I would encourage people who are listening to go and like that page. Tell filmmakers that you know that this is a brand new film festival. First years are always tough, and Mike and Joanne are good people. So let's get some submissions in and make this a really big film festival for San Diego next Halloween. Amen. Amen on that. I'd like that too. Scott, I want to ask you too, because it's been a while since we talked. I understand that... When we first talked, you were just beginning your podcast, and now you are a podcaster slash actor. <laughs> yeah, and a voice actor and producer. It's weird, Bill. It's kind of funny how this world, this industry works. You know, uh, we're going back to like August fifteenth of two thousand ten when I officially started the review site. Um, actually, I started in April, actually. And do you know how when you start something that you're not comfortable? So I just quit it. And because, you know, I didn't know much about Skype and, and, and the proper way to tools to use to record. So August 15th, I decided I've, I've seen Dismal, as you mentioned earlier in the show. And I think, you know, with reviewers now compared to when I started, the independent film industry really just started taking off right around... 
2009-2010. That's because I really, when you go to Blockbuster, it's mostly high-end stuff. You, you know, sometimes you see the, the, the low-budget stuff, but when you, as a as a renter, you're thinking, well, if I never heard of it, then it's got to be fucking garbage. Excuse my language. That's right. It's got to right. be garbage. So I never really tempted to even try to watch these films. But then thank God for the Internet to where you can um, get films from, like, um, Amazon or, or Netflix or even on YouTube. Some in, in, indie stuff are being played there. So then one day I just started watching some of these independent short films. Oh, this is pretty cool. And then Dismal came on my desk, and then that's where I officially was introduced to Bill Obers Jr., to Jack Harrison, Bill Buckley, Justin Saponis. And then I'm watching his film, I'm thinking, hmm, this is a borderline, close to a no-budget film. And that film is the film that basically taught me to understand. And a lot of reviewers today, sorry to say, still have no idea or no concept about budgets in films. And they kind of judge the films on the same page, and you cannot do that. That's where I came across Jack Harrison. He played your son, Idiot. Uh, my very first interview on August 26, 2010, and then that's how it escalated. And then from hearing the voice on my reviews and interviews, then it led to um, a couple businesses, a special makeup artist, uh, Facades FX in Houston, Texas, contacted me and said, hey, would you mind doing some narration for a DVD on how to create yourself as a zombie, which that's Rotten Zombies. So that's how it all took place. Then it led to doing some martial arts narration and then did some uh, ventriloquist stuff. And then, of course, it progressed to, hey, uh, Gruesome, thanks for uh, helping us out. Would you want to be interested in being a producer? And, you know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of these reviewers think because I have producer credits, they're given to me. They're not. I basically um, finance these films. It wasn't like, here, Scott, I'll make you producer because you, you love my film. It's, it's not like that. So I worked hard. I pick and choose what films that I believe in. Then, of course, as you know, Bill and Joanne, and it led to, uh, it's crazy, but I remember, it must have been like February of 2012. I was contacted by a filmmaker, Martin Benson, and he says, hey, Scott, would you interested in auditioning for either a restaurant manager or a bartender. Now, I never auditioned before in my life, Bill. Uh, I never did. And, and what we did is I did it over Skype to him on a conversation, and I was casted as a bartender for Dakota, and that took place on June 4th of 2012 in Long Island, New York. A fun experience, Bill, a fun experience, but I think also in the meantime from the audition in February until I finally shot Dakota, I was very excited this night. I got an email on Facebook from a production company called Red Glass Films in uh, Penn State area. And here's his quote. And I can remember this quote, and I'm not being selfish or self-centered, but it made me feel good. He said, Scott, we uh, checked out your site. We love your voice and your voiceover work. We want you. It's not, do you want to audition? It's, we want you for the part of Dr. Vandenberg. Now, mind you, Bill, all I knew was, was voiceover work. I didn't know anything else until they sent me the script, and it turned out being an eight-hour eight shoot on camera as Dr. Vandenberg. So during that shoot, Bill, as you know, it was me and my patient, so there I was able to learn a different style of filmmaking because with Dakota, it was one gigantic camera on, the, on Shatter. It was me repeating my lines several times on different angles of a camera. So... When we shot that scene, got it done, I was leaving to go home. It's like a, it like a two-hour drive from my house, and I really got the acting bug. I really felt like, damn it, I never dreamed that I could do this, and I nailed it. And then from that point on, I've become hungry for the industry. So 
one thing led to another. I do voiceover work for movies now. I do acting for movies now. You know, it's just a, a something that, you know, Bill, as you know, you went to theater. I didn't. I haven't acted since high school. So you've you got to figure, it's been like 40, 30-some years. And I just love the the art of of entertaining. And uh, something that, that I have now for the rest of my life, I'm 45, <laughs> that I can concentrate on slowly on doing some films that... Uh, I'm happy with cameos, Bill. I'm, I'm like like you do. I mean, you might do like six films in a year. I would sooner have six films to my credit than than just one. That's just me talking, but it's a fun. I mean, you get to meet people. All in all, I love the independent industry. I love doing reviews, interviewing, promoting, and I'm at a happy place. I'm really I'm at a, I'm at a very happy place. So that's really great to hear. And of course, you are the. Uh, I always say thanks to Jack Harrison because he's the first person that gave me a chance to interview. Because you know, you got to remember, Bill. I had nobody. I had no experience. I never interviewed in my life. I have no resume. But he took my offer and he trusted my uh, my abilities, and it, it just rocked from there on in. So I always give special thanks to Jack, and I always give special thanks to you, Bill. Considering that I never knew this, but I was one of your first interviews when you moved to Los Angeles. So um, it was a thank pleasure. You for both a pleasure. Yep, and it's like the um, Bill's um, Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. Okay, I can remember when that first word came out. Okay, and some of these gurus—they think they are—after um, saying online publicly, "Oh man, a Serbian film was a fantastic film." They say that, and that involves an eight-year-old getting banged in the butt by his dad, which is a pathetic, disgusting piece of garbage film. To turn around and say, "Oh, great! Now we got something stupid like Abraham Lincoln versus zombies, or Abraham Lincoln the Vampire Slayer, or whatever." I, it, it just fascinates me how people come to conclusions right away as soon as they hear the word "asylum" or the Sci-Fi Channel. They like automatically hate it. It's just amazing. I mean, I love, I love creature features. I love Mega Shark and Mega Piranha. I love the Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. I love all that cool stuff because like Sharknado I love that film because I thought it was a creative idea for a, a, a shark movie and Ghost Shark was good but I'm just a believer in in uh, films from Asylum I mean they're all not great mind you I mean there are some funky ones that you know I'm not really keen on but very rare but I just like the idea of people taking a chance going for it hey it's either you like it or you don't the film's made it's going to make some money Let's just do it. I'm sure, Bill, you know. I mean, I'm sure some of the, some of the jobs that, that, that you've taken and that you probably said to yourself, hey, it's work, I'm going to do it, and we'll see what happens, you know? Well, I've done 15 films this year. I've got two more to do um, in the next couple of weeks for the end of the year, and that'll be 15. And, yeah, the bu- budget levels vary, but you always try to bring your best to it because um, I don't think anybody sets out to make a bad movie or a movie that's less than it could be. Everybody really wants to do the very best they can. With what they if have. You, you're right. If you take a movie in that spirit. You know, when I was a kid, there were TV movies, movies of the week, and there were movies like Gargoyles um, and low-budget horror pictures. And, you know, we enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you know, back then we didn't have that much to compare them to with, with three channels. But... Right. Um, I I, th- I think that there's still an audience for uh, low budget horror films, people that will get into the spirit of the film and see that people are trying to entertain you and have fun. It's I always think if you have fun in the part, 
then even if the makeup's not the best or the story's not the best, maybe that'll come across. You know, passion covers a multitude of sins. Right. I want to know something about a grim becoming. I understand that you, Bill, and Marantha Blackthorn portray a husband and wife who's lost their child. And in the original script, your characters were written as what would be considered, uh, let's say, uh, relatively normal parents grieving for their child. <clears throat> but since it's well known that things change in the course of getting the script to the screen, I understand that uh, your characters became a little bit twisted. And I would like you to tell us how your character evolved and where peanut butter comes in. That's a good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, this is an Adam Steigert film. Who's, he's up in upstate New York with Deftone Pictures. They've done a few features, and I think they're going to have a future in the independent film world. It's called A Grim Becoming, and it's a horror comedy. People can find it on IMBD at A Grim, just one M, A Grim Becoming. Go and check it out. I had a very small role in this, um, in scenes with Devaney Penn and Melantha Blackthorne, who I just met, who's a great actress, works in the genre a lot. She was cast as my wife, and we're just this very ordinary couple consoling uh, Devaney Penn, who plays the lead's girlfriend. We're consoling her at a funeral, and then we have a later brief consolation scene at the house, just like a two-day shoot. Um, so I, I got up there, and Melantha and I were in the same house. Our bedrooms were next door to each other. We stayed with the director. And we got to talking, and I said, you know, there's really not much in this role for me. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to do it, but this is something anyone can do. I'll bring what I can to it. And she said, yeah, I feel the same way. So since we were in Adam's house, we went in over coffee and said, Adam, you know, what if we, um, what if we made this couple um, degenerate? Lovably degenerate, but very degenerate. And so we ended up doing kind of like an um, Adam's family kind of a thing where we both appear to be very normal and we're saying very normal things, but we're doing very unnormal things and so that if, if there's humor in there and I hope there is it comes from the disconnect of us appearing to be very white bread and mayonnaise middle America but at the funeral for instance my lines are to Devaney um, you know everything's going to be alright it's okay he's in a better place now think of the good times but all the time that I'm doing this I'm feeling her up <laughs> and so Melantha she upped the ante once more by coming over her character which is supposed to touch her on the shoulder but she starts feeling her up too so I got to say, hey, Devaney, and Devaney's a good friend, and I, I love working with her. And I said, Devaney, can Melantha and I feel you up while we do this scene? And she was like, I thought you'd never ask. Oh, so there we are. And it was great. And um, the peanut butter came in at the end scene. Uh, Melantha and I are supposed to be in a husband and wife, just very tender moment in the kitchen while this character comes in and talks to us. Well, of course, in Melantha's hands, that turned into me licking peanut butter greedily off of her fingers. <laughs> Again, oh. not changing the lines. The lines are just standard, run-of-the-mill lines, but the visual of it is odd, which I really like that sort of dichotomy. Rather than trying to be funny, doing something odd but saying very normal things. So, um, you know, may maybe it'll come out all right. I really enjoyed I enjoyed doing that little role. Thank you for asking <laughs> about that one. Well, hopefully they'll submit to the festival. I think they should, and if Adam Steigert is listening, if he's not, you know, just approach him on Facebook, and um, and, and they should submit, definitely. They're good people. I know you were in Circus of the Dead. Uh, you played your first role as a, as a clown, am I correct? <laughs> a necrophiliac clown, Scott. Yeah. Well, I don't know much about it, so go ahead and give listeners an idea about Circus of the Dead. 
I have two words for you, necrophiliac clown. Put those <laughs> together in your mind and you'll have a good idea. Uh, my clown, he's a serial killer whose day job happens to be as a clown. It's an insane film by director Billy Pond, and I have clown compatriots. My clown friends include a pedophile clown, a pyromaniac clown, and a clown that enjoys stitching together toys out of dead bodies. Jesus. So we actually work at a circus. Like, we have a real circus act, and we're funny clowns, but we kidnap people from the circus, and we do these things. And that will be premiering a Texas Frightmare in May. Um, that's one of two big releases I've got coming out in the spring. The other will be Children of Sorrow, I think, March 14th from After Dark Films. Um, so, yeah, it, Circus of the Dead was an absolutely insane shoot. It was in Odessa, Texas, in the middle of the summer, and playing a necrophiliac clown for a month there was very surreal. Nice. Yeah, we all know Billy Pond from his first film, a short film called Doll Boy. That's how I came across Billy Pond's work, so... I'll definitely want to check this out. I mean, uh, you're in it, and it's clowns, and it's, uh, you know, be very interesting. Uh, Billy Pond had me chasing a nude woman down a parking garage ramp with a cattle prod. That was like the mildest thing that we did in the film. Oh, wow. I, I will say publicly and for the record that Billy Pond is hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> and his film will be brutal, and it will pull no punches because... That's Billy Pond. But that's what I love about the independent film industry. There's so many personalities of directors. There's room for all of them. Those who want to be, you know, nuanced and come at things sideways. Those who want to slap you across the face, punch you in the gut. It's it's really revolutionized things. That cameras are so small now, and that just about anybody can get a camera and make some type of movie. Right. You're exactly right. I, I expect Circus of the Dead to be a big film, actually, and Children of Sorrow, too. I, I think both of those are going to be big movies. What about Werewolf Rising? I know they're filming right now. Yeah, I go on that. I, I leave in the morning to go shoot my role in that. In uh, Arkansas is where we're filming in the woods. Um, that's a film by a director named B.C. Fertney. Yep, I, know I have not is. worked with B.C. before. But I have worked with Jesse Baget, and Jesse Baget's Ruthless Pictures is producing it. Jesse put me in Blackwater Vampire, which is one of Ruthless Pictures' films, too. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go off, and it's the first werewolf picture that I've done. I'm quite excited about it. Nice. And you also have one that, that I don't know if it's a sequel or... Because I know there was, a, there was a movie called Squeal. It came out, mm. like, three years ago. But this is Squeal, the Blood Harvest. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. This one is um, put together by Seth Matoria, who runs the More Horror website. And Seth and I are partners in Dismal Productions. Um, and uh, it's a film that mixes Escape from Witch Mountain. You know that old Disney mm -hmm, film? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a vibe. It's a kid's film. It actually has kids starring in it and Children of the Corn kind of mixed together. Oh, wow. Kids are the main uh, characters in the film. Uh, and that's in pre-production now. So it's a really good script. Nice. I've got 14 in, 14 in pre-production and about seven in the script phase, which means there's a script and we're not ready to move to pre-production but moving towards it. So this, this whole business is, it's, the whole business is about lurching, dropping everything and lurching toward one project and then dropping that and lurching toward another. Right. And people who aren't from LA, they don't understand why people in LA do not have any time and why they're not very social except when they're in social media. Right. It is because it's never, never ending. Every single project has a myriad of a hundred things that need doing, but you don't do them until you have a breathing space in between other projects, and then everybody jumps on that one, 
everybody jumps away. Like in L.A., you, you work with people as a temporary family on a set or a project, and then when that project's over or everybody moves on to other ones, you might not hear from them from nine months. Right, right. But then when you see them again, you're like, hey, what's up? And no time has passed at all. But it's not a constant contact kind of a thing. Right. It's, a, it's a weird business. <laughs> well, there's two movies that I did review that you were in. Uh, one was called The Coyote, which I think that's probably one of the most strangest roles that I've seen you in. That's quite different than a lot of stuff that you've done. Um, Trevor Yinger. Oh, okay. It's, it's German, so it's pronounced as if it's Y, but it's a J. But if people want to look that up, it's an easy word to remember. Just look up Coyote movie, or mm-hmm. better yet, put my name with it, Coyote Oberst, and, and you'll go to a lot of reviews, including Scott's great review of this. It's an art house horror film, extremely micro-budget, guys. I mean, this is almost no money spent on this movie. And Trevor wanted to make a movie. He didn't care if anybody liked it, only if he did, because his background was in the art house genre. So it's very strange, non-linear. And in trying to make this film that nobody liked, he's made one that a lot of people seem to like. Coyote was one of these films that I didn't know anything about. It just happened to... They asked me if I wanted to review it, and I certainly did. But obviously, since this is December, it's Christmas, it's the first selection of the Fantastic Horror Film Festival, Krampus the Christmas Devil, mm-hmm. um, another movie taking stuff, no matter the size, no matter what, to be able to make it your own performance. And I've seen the uh, bloopers where, you know, the door, whatever. But then to, to see you in this movie, but it was phenomenal. I, I liked the... Uh, the small scene that you had was so such captivating. It really uh, brought the story full circle because you had two stories going at once. You have Krampus and you have your story of getting released and to uh, basically seek revenge and to see your performance in there. I thought was probably one of the most outrageous, awesome performances by you, Bill. Great job. Thanks, man. I just I just did a day on it. And, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was a well-written scene. It was really fun to do. You know, for people who are listening... These movies will eventually come out. I know sometimes people listen to podcasts and they're like, I can't see that. I can't see that. They're, they're saying they've seen it. But Krampus the Christmas Devil, I'm sure, will get distribution. It'll probably be out by next summer. Uh, and Coyote is working on a distribution contact right now. So both of those will be out next year. But I know it's frustrating sometimes for people listening to think, where can I see that? And we're like, you can't yet. We're talking about movies that haven't come out. Right, right. Well, they can see it at our film festival. Indeed. They could see it next Halloween. Event, and that's probably about when Krampus will be coming out and starting to really circulate. It'll be in the fall of next year. Well, then the, another film that uh, I interviewed Tara Cardinal again way back when I first got started. And she was talking about The Legend of the Red Reaper. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have the uh, screener for it, but I was asked by Tara to wait to the new year to review it. So it's killing me not to watch it now, but I figured, you know, being a safe side, if I don't watch it now, then I won't get the urge to review it, so I'm going to hold off. But uh, you're also in that one. Um, your experiences with that one, I know, now that one was actually filmed back then, right? Am I correct? It wasn't filmed recently, am I right? Yeah, it was filmed over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Um, it was a fantasy piece that Tara's been working on for years. Tara is, uh, if people don't know her, they can look her up. It's T-A-R-A, like Tara, pronounced Tara. Cardinal, she's known as like the female Chuck Norris. She's amazing. She's really hot, and she fights like a mother. Um, she does action. She does drama. I think she's great. I've done a couple of things with her. She well, called me. This is the kind of call that you get in L.A. Um, a year ago, 
And she said, Bill, I'm in this scene, and I've got to have this abusive father. Will you rape me? Yeah. <laughs> because, okay. she continued, she continued, because I, I, I'm nervous about doing this scene, and I know that you'll take care of me, and I know that, you know, you'll be respectful. And Because women worry about these things when they do these scenes. That shoot didn't work out to do it, but yes, I would gladly have, have I would have done that. It's, it, it sounds so weird when you're out of the business. Yeah, it people does. do call and say things like that. They, like, you know, would you rape me next Tuesday because I trust you? Well, that's funny you said that, Bill, because <laughs> I had the exact same experience. Experience. <laughs> there was a uh, a movie. I'm not going to mention the name because um, it's just a long story. But uh, it was being filmed in New York, and I was asked just that same exact question, Scott. Um, I need you to rape me. <laughs> what? <laughs> I say, Let well, me you got to one up me, don't you, Scott? <laughs> I said, wait a minute here. I said, uh, I said, you know, as as interesting of a role that is, I said, but uh, you know, it, Bill, I, you know, I might have to get over this as far as being an actor because Albert Hitchcock always says you're an actor. That's all. You're not the actual raper. You're an actor. But during that time, you know, I have nine little grandchildren, you know, and I have married, you know, and I'm thinking, what if this movie slips out and my grandkids see it? How well, am sure, I going to explain that? That's always a concern, and that's a de- yeah, that's a decision that you absolutely have to so, make. So I said, all due respect, thank you for the offer. I said, but I'm going to have to turn it down. So. I understand. I totally understand. I've been acting for 21 years, and so to me, it's. You know, it's just expected that this is this is what you do, and your whole body comes to the to the role. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to think about it if it's something you want your grandkids to see. I will tell people who are listening who might be curious, who have this fantasy that anytime there's a love scene or something that's physical, that it's very uh, erotic. It's absolutely the opposite of erotic. Mm-hmm. It's it's all very well choreographed. It's planned out. It's it's actually the hardest thing about doing any type of scene involving physicality with a man and a woman is making it look as if it's really erotic because it's so damn technical and you've got to get you got to hit the light just right you're in these weird twisted positions because usually there's a sound guy like two inches from you with a microphone and so right out of frame there's fat guys in flip-flops holding cords up around you (laughs) (laughs) so to get lost in that moment in the take and make it look like anything whether you're supposed to be violent or loving it's uh, it's very hard that's the hardest part about it, but those are not, they're not particularly fun scenes to shoot, and they're certainly not um, erotic. Well, Debbie Rashawn told me a good story about you, about that same talk that we're talking about, to where you had a scene, which you talked to me about this a long time ago, but we interviewed Debbie about, hmm, about a month ago, yeah. and uh, I, think, I think it's Rip Memories, am I correct? That's right, yeah. We were husband and wife, and she was having an affair with my stepson, so or my foster kid or something, I don't know, whatever. She was banging somebody that I was related to, and so we had a marital rape scene. She was not into it, but I wanted it. I mean, in the script. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. What did Debbie say? I need to know. Uh, she said, how was that? She said, um, I guess when, you first, when they first did the scene, I think she told you, come on, Bill, you can do better than that. Or something like that. So you were in damn well did. <laughs> I, was, I was taking it easy. We were just we had bottoms on. I mean, it could not have been more. She had her top off. 
but we both had tops off, but bottoms on. So under the bed, we're fully clothed. And I had a, even put a pillow for protection. I said, Debbie, I'm going to put this pillow here so there's no physical contact between us. And, you know, so I was just kind of lightly humping because, you know, I don't know Debbie, and I respect her, and she's kind of a legend, and I don't want to, like, you know, just go to town. Mm-hmm. And so we finished the take, and the director says, Debbie, how was that for you? <laughs> she said, I, I really feel like um, I really feel like Bill could give me more. And I was like, okay. <laughs> now you're getting more. <laughs> so I grabbed a hold of the edge of the mattress, so I'm not actually putting any pressure on her, but it looked like it, and just rattled the headboards for Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. <laughs> She's and it looked good, but Debbie was she's a consummate professional, and she's really a good actress. Yeah, she's awesome. She's fun. She really is. What about Slay Utterly? Slay Utterly is a film which is based on a real-life serial killing case in the Midwest. It's a director named Stuart Wallen, and he wrote me the script and asked if I'd be interested in it, and uh, I said, yes, I absolutely would. It's a, it's, it's, it's a very frightening film because it's based on one of these real-life cases where somebody just commits this awful act of carnage and they seem to be such a kind person uh, so that's in in development at the script phase now yeah like i said you got a bunch of them like evil's toy looks pretty cool that, that's yeah evil's that. toy is about a demon that gets loose on facebook actually really yeah it's about a de- ancient demon named gadriel summoned up through a uh, a spirit board and the demon gets loose into the internet and the demon's <laughs> roaming around facebook coming in and out of reality playing havoc with people's lives so that makes opening up your facebook messages even more fun oh wow it's funny you mention that because i reviewed a film called anti-social that Mm. breaking glass pictures sent me a screener for and it's getting released on vod on december 10th and i don't want to say too much like i said in my review but i interviewed uh chad archibald the other day the producer and writer of this movie and uh, it went to social networking area and I thought that it was so clever that I can't believe it was never done before because you know social networking is big you know Facebook and MySpace is making somewhat of a comeback what you have Twitter you have uh, Pinterest you have um, a bunch of them and that was basically uh, a virus caused through Facebook I mean through uh Red something network or something, something like Facebook, and I thought that was so cleverly thought of. But that sounds really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think that social media is a little bit scary because we are connected now with thousands and thousands of people, and we're expected to be friendly with thousands and thousands of people all at one time, and nobody can really do it. Uh, and so we're all presenting this false face. I mean, I, I read about this thing called Facebook envy that teenagers have, where psychologists are now diagnosing kids. Oh, they have Facebook envy because <laughs> when a when a kid posts on Facebook, they're going to present their very best face, and they're going to say the party was fantastic, it was awesome, and then the other kids saying, oh, well, my life really sucks because none of us present our real lives on Facebook. God, I hope not. Right. My my social media presence is completely professional. I don't put anything personal in there because the whole purpose is just to keep saying to the industry, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working. Uh, social media, is it's, it's very weird for a guy. I'm old enough to remember actual letters, you know, mm. and picking up the phone and not having any idea who it was when you picked up the phone, just saying hello. So I feel... I feel a tendency to recoil from being so connected, but I can't do it because of my business. But I don't know how you guys feel about it. 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I miss that personal connection with a lot of people. Yeah. Doing, yeah. Doing Facebook all the time. I used to send out, oh, at least 100 Christmas cards because I believe that uh, people need that piece of paper. It, it makes them think that you really care, that you're going to take that kind of time. And uh, this year, <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> Because I'm so busy with the festival and all the other stuff going on, and have no money. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, Joanne? I, I I saw that post this morning about that. But you know, people know who how who, of how you are, and they'll appreciate it more knowing that you are making a festival that's fan oriented, it's fantastic horror film festival. So, you know, you're given. Something for Christmas in October of next year. So I think San Diego is going to love you guys. They better. Uh, they're all they're all hungry for it. So, like like I've told you and Mike, this is going to be a, a very successful event for you guys. It might not be the ultimate. It could be. It should be. Maybe. But it's it it can be a very big thing because I've talked to a lot of filmmakers that are in Fresno and in the L.A. area and L.A. has a bunch of them, but San Diego doesn't. But I know a lot of people from Fresno are coming down. I can tell you that. So Scott, you're so encouraging. That's awesome. Well, you know, well, I, I look. I take this festival like I take a script. If it's something that I believe in, then I'm going to take it full, full forward and promote the hell out of it. And I believe in this festival. I do. I believe in Mike and Joanne. I mean, uh, that's just how I am. You know, passion. Well, for people who are listening who might have just listened or have been tuning away for part of it, this is the Fantastic Horror Film Festival, HF, no, H, wait a minute, F, H, F, F, Fantastic Horror Film Festival, I'll put the link on my Facebook page when we get done, and I'll put it on my Twitter too if people want to check it out, but go and like the page and get some, tell your friends who are filmmakers to submit to this new festival in San Diego. Yep. Now uh, we need to get some people here in San Diego looking at it too. I mean, we're we're actually getting people from all across the country that are mm-hmm. liking the page, and we've got upcoming interviews in one of them in in uh, South Carolina. Awesome. So we're like going all over all over the place at this point. But San Diego, they don't they aren't are not aware of us yet. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be our next big push to get the people around here to. Pay attention. <laughs> no prophet is without honor except in his own country. <laughs> well, I think it's going to get big here because people I've talked to, I pass out business cards whenever I go shopping or whatever, and I wear my T-shirts on the mini billboard of San Diego, hmm. and people are really pretty up on the idea, so we'll see how that all works out. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, uh People who are going to be listening to this interview, um, Mike Thomas and Joanne Thomas, uh, I think are two of the most outrageous, down-to-earth people that I've ever dealt with as far as a film festival. And I'm, again, honored because of Matt Chasen. We love Matt. You know he's a punk, but we love him. Um, Got me involved in this film festival. And, uh, you know, I, you know, again, I can... People know I've been posting stuff like crazy. I mean, I've been tweeting the interview that we did. I've been I've been been promoting the Facebook page and and the Twitter and all that. And I think once it starts circulating, 
uh, it's going to be huge. Now, I'm not saying because I'm gruesome Herzog, but you got to remember, I've been doing this for four years, and I've noticed that people tend to uh, seek out what, what, what gruesome is doing or, or what, what, you know, hey, hey, you know, if gruesome Herzog is promoting this film festival, there has to be something there. And that's what I'm proud of, that I have a, a, a quote, quote, fan base that understands me of who I am. And I'm just glad that people are, are saying, okay, well, you know, if Gruesome is, is promoting this, then there's got to be something there. And I'm very proud that I have people that, that I earn their respect as far as the horror industry. Well, you I got feel- mine. <laughs> you have Try mine, it. too. So, Anyways, Bill, um, is there anything else that you would like to mention before we let you go? Dude, I never like to talk about myself. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just I just tell people to go to my IMBD page and look at it, and that's I'm not being self-serving saying, oh, look at me, look what I've done. It's just because IMBD is such a tremendous resource. You can click any film and you can see who else is in it. It often leads you down a rabbit hole. I can spend hours on there. Some of the films have trailers. Um, but go to my IMBD page. Just you know, type in Bill Oberst Jr. If you can't remember my name, you can type in creepy torso actor, and unfortunately that will still bring me up on Google. <laughs> and you can see all the different films uh, that are due. And as I say, that the, the three that I think will be coming out most quickly next spring will be uh, First Children of Sorrow, March 14, from After Dark Films and Lionsgate. Uh, then um, Coyote will be coming out sometime in the spring, and Circus of the Dead will be premiering in May in Texas. Um, I love horror. I love hearing from people who have ideas about films that uh, they're working on or may want to do, eventually I will respond to every piece of mail that I get. <laughs> eventually. It it takes a while, but I try to be pretty accessible and to stay open to people. So I, I love hearing from them. I'm grateful, very, very grateful to have a career in this genre that I love. God's been really good to me. I'm, I'm a hustler. You know, I, I, I generate my work. I take the jobs that I get. I try to do the best I can. I move on and do the next job. So yep. I'm not extremely picky when it comes to roles. The only thing I won't do in a film, my list is very small, but I will not portray someone who professes uh, to be a believer in God, particularly if there's a reference to Christianity. I won't play someone who professes to be a Christian or a believer in God and then does heinous things. I don't mind if they are um, a Satanist, a pagan, uh, or an atheist, or an agnostic, and they're doing bad things, but someone who on the one hand says God is love and I believe that he's love and mentions the name of Jesus and then does a horrible thing, that I won't do. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty game. Bring it on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I wanted to thank both of you because you've both been really great for, to me. And Bill has been a great mentor to me also over the past few months. One of my biggest fans, I think. Uh, next to you, well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but you got. <laughs> um, I love Joanne. I love Mike. And I love you too, Scott. And I'm really glad to have been here. No, no problem. Well, thanks for coming on, Bill. You're uh, a great guest as usual. And uh, well, thank you, Joanne, for being my co-host of many coming down the road over the years. <laughs> you did a great job. You sound great. So thank you. Well, we'll see how that goes for the next few years. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas to you both. Yep. Same to you, Bill. Thank you. Take care, Joanne. Yep. We'll see you. Bye.